to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment made? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me today, Miss Keith Newfield. Hello again, Ryan. Miss Lee Rice. Hello. And Miss Laura Graham. Hi. And I'm Mr. Ryan Parrish. How are we all quickly? 30 seconds, Laura, go. Fine. Keith. Okay. Lee. <sighs> I am reasonable. Let us get into the content. Right, so Disney Plus has launched across the world, apart from most of Europe at the moment. Oh, it launched in Australia and New Zealand after the day of broadcasting. It's in the Netherlands and it's in the US and Canada and Mexico currently. Officially. Yes. So Disney Plus is... Disney's answer to Netflix. So we have Netflix content, and uh, we have Disney content, there is Marvel content, there is National Geographic content. Do which... not, don't forget, every single Disney Channel original movie is on there, just in case you are in need of watching every high school musical. Honestly, that's selling it to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's old school. You want to do Descendants 1, 2, and 3. That's where it's at. Well, you're getting, you're getting National Geographic, you're getting Fox, you're getting Pixar, you're getting Marvel. You're getting, you're getting Star quite Wars. a lot of stuff, yes. Yes. I mean, it, it seems to be a quite reasonable amount of content, if we could have it. Yeah. Right, so, I, I'm reading a lovely article from Mr. Simon Brew, who we mentioned on the show previously, who writes Film Stories magazine. Really recommend you pick that up if you like any kind of film. Uh, but basically, he's gone into depth about why Disney aren't broadcasting in the UK until the 31st of March 2020 and that's because mainly because of licensing issues so when Mr Murdoch broke up his company last year Disney were on the verge of buying Sky in the UK Sky was alternately bought by Comcast so we're now owned by Comcast if you use Sky in the UK and there is an exclusive right for B Sky B to be broadcasting Disney, Marvel, Star Wars content until the thirty first of March twenty twenty. Disney said, How about for this much money? And Comcast basically went, Ha, no, we'll keep your stuff until the contract expires. So that's why we can't get it over here. However, this does not preclude Keith's point already. Keith, do you want to go into the spiel that you've had about Disney Plus for the last few weeks where we've talked oh, about it? Yeah, well the ideal would be if um, Disney are producing new content to have released that to begin with rather yep. than worrying about the licensed material because there's a lot of material they could have put out yes. and then mm-hmm. held back Some the of the South. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go there, I'm not. Um, but they could, they could have just released it with the, the content that was out of licensing in yep. the UK or whatever region they're in. And mm-hmm. um, we could have got that. So the yeah. new content, yes. and that's that's where the problem is: is that most people are like, if, if you know, without Disney Plus, I can still watch Mary Poppins or a Pixar movie or whatever cool, it is because it's on because it's on Sky. If you've got a subscription, yes. the new material that isn't going to Sky for Sky, then is causing an awful lot of problems because people seem to be under the impression at the moment that it's free game, and basically yes. every time a new bit of new content from Disney Plus comes out. You can draw pictures of it, show videos of it, create memes of it, and you should just go and stick that all over the internet, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like, you know, uh, silly. Because it's not like Disney didn't know this was the situation before they decided to launch. And Amazon and, and Amazon and Netflix haven't got anything to worry about at the moment yeah. in terms of that. And Apple TV did a global launch. Yeah. And they've got nothing. On their channel at the moment, they got no content. Excuse me, they have a show with Jennifer Aniston pretending she's a morning TV presenter. But that's probably how they were able to do a worldwide launch with nothing on it. There's no licensing issues, and the service can launch. What 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 Apple have done is because they've used the Apple TV app, and the Apple TV app is their um, consolidation package. When you go into the into the Apple TV app, you get presented with the few content content that you've got. 
but you can still also access whatever other service you've got. Same so you as go to Netflix or Amazon. Same or as Amazon Netflix. Prime Video where they'll put their content, yeah. the Prime Originals at the top. Netflix put their originals at the top. But I think Disney have shot themselves in the foot with this. Um, I with think this, with this release pattern because. I think they're still in this phase of where they think geo restriction is still a thing. Yeah. Mm. And in the world of streaming, the reason everybody stopped torrenting and pirating stuff was because everything was global and released at the same time. And that's how Netflix have always got around their stuff being pirated because it was a global release. Yeah, I think Netflix even said that they want to release everything worldwide all the time. It's only if, like, Yes, someone else's, and they can't get the license to do it. Then yeah. they'll they'll restrict it then, but it's not their their yeah. choice. They would prefer worldwide. And I think the, the the biggest problem they've got is they've they've chosen to go first with one of the biggest global franchises in yeah. history. Yeah, and it's not it's you know people are not going to find ways and means of watching this show because. Well, We've got a f- being talked about. We've got a few others coming up. So the Mandalorian is basically streaming now in the states, and as you said, the internet has taken the Mandalorian and started disseminating the content across the world. Even if there's, even if you're trying to avoid spoilers, you haven't really got a chance. I think, and that that's a big problem. Uh, they're doing a live action, not live action remake of Lady and the Tramp, same as they did with The Lion King. Yeah, that's pretty Where much ready to go, isn't it? Is it it's yeah. being done as like a little mini-series, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's not live action if it's CGI. That is a lie. Uh, there's a new Toy Story series on Forky from Toy Story 4, which I've not watched and refused to watch. But basically, And there's going to be a Bo Peep short about where she was during Toy Story 3, having her own adventure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, there is, especially for Laura Craven... High School Musical, colon, yes. The Musical, colon, The Series. Amazing. It's great right. naming there. <laughs> Not only do I like the sound of it, I like the use of punctuation. Yeah, Street Fighter, the movie, the game. <laughs> There's a festive comedy coming starring Anna Kendrick as the daughter of Father Christmas, Noel Kringle, called Noel. There is another film on either Netflix or Amazon, not that I've already been looking for Christmas films, about the daughter of Father Christmas. Yes. And the the one thing that has come out in the National Geographic also being a part of this package is The World According to Jeff Goldblum, where Jeff Goldblum is basically just going to go around and just be amazed by everything. Which sounds like quite an interesting show if you're a Jeff Goldblum fan for Jeff mm. Goldblum to just go, wow, in an Owen Wilson kind of style. <laughs> but you know you're going to watch it, regardless of what he's wowing at. Yes. Uh, Encore, led by Frozen star Kristen Bell. Uh, as if she's not done anything else ever. Frozen. Like she's done like Veronica Mars or anything yeah. else. Uh, the voice of Gossip Girl, apparently, I found out last week. She is. Um, she was on Assassin's Creed. Yes. Um, good Place. Yep. Done, done quite a few bits now led by Frozen style Kristen Bell uh, it's a reality series reuniting the former castmates of a New York University NYU theatre school musical production for a performance of the same play I think hmm. you could quite easily skip anything that has the word reality in yeah. it. You know, if I'm tuning into Disney Plus it's because I want to watch animations or Star Wars or Marvel stuff, if I want to watch Reality TV. I've got bargain hunt. I, th- I think they're just trying to. <laughs> Homes and I think they're just trying to corner all corners of the market in one easy swoop here. I will um, admit that when you when you started saying that, I thought you were going to say you you want Disney Plus for anime, and I was like, not really the best place for anime. I thought. <laughs> uh, so we know which Marvel TV shows are going because they were announced ages ago. So we've got Ms. Marvel, She Hulk, Moon Knight, Falcon and Winter Soldier, One Division. Wonder Wonder Vision, Vision <laughs> is all I can think of when I hear that. Uh, Loki and the What If series, which is basically what if this happened randomly in the Marvel universe? Wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly. Uh, we have the Star Wars Rogue One prequel series with Diego Luna. They're making a prequel to a prequel. Yes. Okay. It's prequelception. Uh, we have the announcement of the seven series of the Clone Wars, which is bits in between. I think I think they're just fleshing out the Clone Wars series rather than doing them. Yeah, it was never in order in the first place yeah. anyway, was it? Clone Wars, so. We have the Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars series starring Ewan McGregor as 
So I'm assuming this is going to be like between three and four as well, where the Mandalorians, well, the Mandalorians post Jedi, isn't it? Yeah. And this is going to be like three and four era. I think so. Star Wars Rebelsy kind of. This is this is um, Obi Wan Kenobi doing yeah. Cheers in yeah. uh, Mos Eisley. So when he goes into the bar, the cantina in Mos Eisley, everybody's like, Ben! And then there's going to be like the postman character. Yeah. Who's like, you know. That well, 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 I said I could do the the Kessel uh, Run in 30 parsecs there. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, that's I'd watch yeah. that show. Yeah. Che- Cheers, Cantina. I, w- uh, I wonder perfect. if Ewan McGregor has finally managed to get rid of the Scottish accent and transferred <laughs> into the full Englishness of... As long as, it, as long as every time that someone walks in, he just immediately goes, hello there, every single time. <laughs> hello there. <laughs> uh, we've also got a Monsters, Inc. sequel, which is Monsters at Work. Not Men at Work. That was an Australian band <laughs> who sang about Down Under. This is Monsters at Work. Just who could also me. sing about being Down Under, if they wish. Yes. <laughs> Quite uh, happy. Apparently, a Lizzie McGuire sequel series starring Hilary Duff, so they're going to like sub her from Christmas 24, where she lives now, <laughs> and the Hallmark Channel into do something not Christmassy related. I'm kind of alright with her doing something Christmassy related, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Diary of a Female President, a series starring a 12-year-old Cuban-American girl's plan to become US President one day. Uh, I mean, if she's Cuban, she can't become President. Uh, remakes of Home Alone, Don't Touch It, Night at the Museum, Don't Care, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Don't Care. Cheaper Hold on, did Diary of a Wimpy Kid come out like last week? I think there's been like 12 of those <laughs> movies now. The thing is, like the Home Alone reboot that they're saying they do, they, they're doing, people have suggested getting Macaulay Culkin in to play the same role and act like he's a seven-year-old boy, but still... But obviously, he's now a thirty-four-year-old man. But also, like, how are they going to remake Home Alone? Because either you're going to have to remake it about the same time, or everyone's just going to be aware of mobile phones yeah. and social services. Yeah. So if you had Macaulay Culkin playing the Joe Pesci character, I could see that. Or maybe he's like the guy who, like, the the cleaner guy. Is it like the caretaker guy? Oh, mm. the creepy man. Yes. Yeah. Have Macaulay Culkin play that. He's perfect uh, for that. I, th- I think his age is more. He's more Marv than anything yeah. else. Yeah, He's got more. the look as well. Um, and we're also getting a remake of Cheaper by the Dozen, the the Steve Martin vehicle. Does anybody remember that? Hasn't that been remade like dozens of times? Yeah, I think it was like a 60s movie to start off yeah. with, wasn't it? Uh, and then we've also got everything else that's in Foxes and Disney's libraries, like The Simpsons, Malcolm in the Middle, Mary Poppins, Alice in Wonderland. Can I just say that when, when they posted their big lineup, I went through that just out of curiosity and was like, Jesus Christ, how many Herbie movies were there? I didn't realise there were that many Herbie movies. Yeah. <laughs> and we got Avatar, no Avatar 2, just Avatar. I think it's it's good in one way, because there's masses of content for everybody. Hmm. And I think they've got to kind of get over the idea at the moment that they're, they're kind of trying to keep it at a PG-13, family-friendly yeah. uh, content thing. And then maybe use the movies as their... More, more adult stream stuff, but it, it's cool. It's like you know, we've had Disney XD, you've had Disney Life as an app for a long time that people have been able to access, and that was the other thing that, that they could have done. They could have put the Mandalorian out through something like Disney, Disney Life, Life yeah. if they wanted to. But it's good if if people want to watch old Lizzie McGuire or they want to watch High School Musical. Yeah, that's cool. And if you want to watch the new Marvel stuff, that's cool. But I mean, the price does, point they're asking, I think that's that's quite acceptable. Doesn't it? Just make Disney even more monolithic with their entertainment offerings, though, because they, they they're they're already swimming in lots and lots of money from lots and lots of movie franchises and TV shows. Is yeah. it a case of they're think, getting too powerful? I don't think it's a case of them being too powerful. It's it's how they manage not being interfering with it because I'm I'm quite happy that all the Star Wars Marvel well, we've all the lost. rest of it is in one place where I'm paying 4.99 a month to watch all of that content well, and not splitting it across 17 different services paying well, 8 pound a We've already go. had some sacrifices this so the Netflix series which were quite well regarded in the most excluding you Mr. Ironfist they were they were quite well and they've all been just scrapped completely rather than Disney plus taking on the mantle of carrying these shows on I'm sure they could have probably worked a deal with Netflix out for that. Um, but then they bring in Moon Knight. 
mm. to Disney Plus. Look, they're so. not going to do Captain Britain as much as you want. <laughs> they'll do. They'll do Captain Britain at some Aww. point eventually. They'll do it. They'll do that. But I mean, and another thing which has come out the day of recording. So this this is quite quite up to date news. Um, Disney have been hacked already. Disney Plus accounts are already for sale online on the dark web, and lots of people have their accounts stolen, passwords reset, email addresses reset, so they've lost access already. Which you think they'd have a bit more mouse. The mouse would have some more mouse about the security. But I think that's that's part and parcel of modern life. And at least they've at least they've kind of said straight away, like unlike half the companies in the world, they just go, Well, just not tell anybody that there's Well, they haven't admitted it yet, apparently. Don't they? No, it's just lots and thousands upon thousands of customers have basically said my account's been frozen. But you know, if there's, but why are they selling it on the dark web? Because half the half the world can't watch it. If they'd have released it as a global mm. thing and everybody could have signed up at the same time, yep. I don't think the demand would have been there. Yep. Do you think it's just angry European hackers? It's angry European Star Wars fans who are looking to have a TV it's, series that doesn't have many girls in it. It's all these people who haven't watched The Mandalorian, according to their online profiles. Yeah. Everybody's watched it. It's a, it's a given. I, I haven't watched it. I mean, if I had watched it, I'd said I would have said that Nick Nolte would have acted really well, well and I, I, I would have enjoyed that. And Taika Waititi is amazing, but I haven't watched it, so I can't say that. No, I have no. Uh... Were you making a reference to The Wire? What? I heard McNulty. Nick Nolte. <laughs> We're talking about The Wire. I'm definitely more on board with this. <laughs> Nick Nolte is in the first episode of The Mandalorian. Even though you wouldn't probably... His voice. Yes. You wouldn't recognise him. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, apparently, what's his face? Um, the weird Warner Herzog. Who, Herzog. Always, who always get confused with Max von Sydow because they're just basically old European people. <laughs> and they're kind of interchangeable. But Max von Sydow was in Force Awakens. I, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly, but... Um... I mean, everybody knows Max von Sydow's best role was Chief Justice in the Judge Dredd Sliced Alone movie. Yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> Maybe there was other films that he was in that was better than that. But yeah, it's, it's a misstep by a yeah. major company. But but consolidation, to... I think that's the way to go. It's like we're all going to get bored at some point of paying Sky, Virgin, Amazon, Netflix. Well, I'm waiting for somebody to bring all these streaming services into one package to your door through a box. Yeah. Through maybe the internet rather than a cable or mm-hmm. a satellite dish. That's where we're heading back towards, I think. Blockbuster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was quite surprised in a, in a move that was uh, quite clever, E4, uh, having announced that they were going to run Rick and Morty in January at the earliest, yes. going, yeah, we can't wait. We're going to run it the week after it's been out in the States. Rather massively backpedalling there. So that's quite good. So at least that Rick and Morty's on E4 from yes. ten, as recording tonight, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can always watch Zomboat on ITV3. Don't watch Zomboat. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that was the wrong? show I was watching that I thought the wetlands thing that I've done wasn't that bad. Do you mean this, this, this wonderful British horror comedy filmed in Birmingham on a canal boat? See, like, I mean, what is wrong with a British zombie horror comedy filmed on a canal boat? So this, this got mentioned on our, on our behind-the-scenes group chat. And I had never heard of it before. I looked it up and went, oh, it's an ITV comedy. Now I understand why it's bad. My mother says it all. My mother sent me a message yesterday, and I will show Lee for proof of this, asking if I was an extra in Zomboat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 mother, I am not an extra in Zomboat. And I think I would have been paid for it if I was. No, I went on a deep dive into Twitter after watching that episode. To think, I know, I know that you were dressed as a zombie for a film. <laughs> I was never dressed as a zombie for a film. So I, I went, I went into. I have a curious Twitter. life as a podcaster, <laughs> but I have never dressed as a zombie for a film. By the way, for a Sorry, film. just, just, just as a, you know, just for, just for, just for laughs and giggles. Yeah, you do it. But I went, I went. I, th- looking, I think. Uh, I, I know what it is. She's confused with our wonderful short movie we made with Jaws 19 show, which was Job, where I was dressed as... Leatherface. Uh, no, no. I, was, uh, I think you mean Pleatherface. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit different to a zombie. A, a completely different, non-licensed character. The, the legally distinct. Yeah. The, vegan, the vegan friendly. Yes. Original the, character, do not steal. Apron chainsaw man. Yes. Yeah. 
But I went, I went looking with through the Twitter thumbs. after watching Jumbo, thinking, yes. I can't be the only person who thinks this way about this show. Apparently, I was. Because uh, I went through Twitter for several minutes trying to find any other comments that weren't, this is the greatest show ever made. This is the best show ever made. This is, this is why my life is complete because of this show. Uh, I think after scrolling through about six and a half miles of comments... You found the other Generation Xer. I found one bloke who went, <laughs> this is the shittest TV show <laughs> I've ever seen. I was like, that's one. I have about 15,000 comments. Was that your own tweet? No, it was somebody else, and I kind of instantly followed them. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, and nobody's watching Goats? Goats? Goats. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just in general, standing in a field watching some goats. Yeah, that's on Pluto TV from 11 <laughs> till 12 every Wednesday. Uh, no, Ghosts on BBC It's two. also a famous book by John Ronson, <laughs> The Men Who Stare at yeah, Goats, which Keith like. likes. But I was, uh, you know... Everything about that zombie was just off. I have not watched it mainly because it's an ITV. It was like show, it was but... like we saw Shaun of the Dead out the corner of our eye one day, and mm. we thought that looks good. We'll do that, and then we'll bring somebody in who's never been to Birmingham <laughs> or heard a Birmingham person speak, and so, just the, do the accent. This is this is one of my biggest issues with Birmingham accents on TV. If you're not from Birmingham, please don't try. <laughs> Just please don't try. Just say you've moved to Birmingham. It's fine. <laughs> People with different accents do live in Birmingham now. It's not just Brummies. I mean, I, I know f at least three people who are not from Birmingham who live in Birmingham. It's, it's shocking how the modern world works, where people yeah. can actually get transport. To be honest, it's a bit more city. surprising if you are from Birmingham and live in Birmingham. Yes, true. Mm -hmm. I think they mostly live in London now, don't they? But anyway, if 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 you can't do a Birmingham accent, don't. don't. Just don't. Sorry, I'm I'm busy reading about Zumbo. I'm I'm confused. You can walk quicker than a canal boat. Yeah. Why would you yes, seek the, solace? There's on a... the whole eighteen inches of water between you and the zombies, which they cannot apparently cross, like they're vampires with running water. I, I can give you an example of the quality of the gags in this show. They're going past a group of zombies on their canal boat, and they go, oh. Ramblers, I hate ramblers. We'll be all right. We can outrun them. Oh no, they're ramblers. They're used to walking. That was like, what? This is the joke. I don't understand it. If you want to watch a zombie horror thing in Birmingham, mm. go and watch Carl Timms's short movie, Still, which is now available on Amazon Prime and on YouTube, I believe, which is basically a very short movie about a mime who's in the middle of a zombie outbreak. Well, he's a statue, isn't he? Well, it's it's, it's kind of like one of those human statues. Yeah, because yeah, a mime is doing things, yeah. hence the word mime. See, I was thinking the girl with all the gifts, but that was filmed. That, that is, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, that is uh, Mr. M.R. Carey, who, mm -hmm. who has been in Birmingham quite a lot, and I think mm -hmm. he's done a few Birmingham-based things. So. Filmed in Dudley. Yes. A lot of and in Birmingham City Centre, because mm -hmm. I was yeah. working there at the time, and then I was like, why does the back of... The, the museum now looks like post-apocalyptic Birmingham. I, I mean, they, slightly more than usual, is what I'm saying. They've also swapped, like, I think it's the Starbucks on Colmore Road for it to a Costa or something. Have they? It's really strange. They swap one coffee shop for another and you're like, I don't understand the point of that, like, but okay. Somebody paid a lot of money to have that coffee shop yeah. turn around. Yeah. I mean, but, Birmingham know. is a filming location now. We had Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. We completely diverted from the topic that was Disney+. Plus, but Yeah, but uh, we'd still I'm on so TV. surprised for us. <laughs> But yeah, so it's kind of a... Yeah. If you do enjoy Zombie, fair enough, that's yes. cool. You know. Which will be on the BBC and ITV streaming service soon. Britbox. Uh, see, see, I've turned mm. it around, I've turned it around. Britbox. Yes, Britbox showing the best of the BBC and ITV for where a we, subscription fee. Where we, get to watch every, where we get to pay for everything we've already paid for. Yes. Can you not just watch iPlayer and whatever the B ITV version is? I think Britbox is like a BBC World Services one. Which basically is the BBC's content that we paid for it to be produced, now yeah. licensed out around the world. I think it's kind of like it's for it's for people in America who can't watch enough of. I think it's something like Downton Abbey. We've got iPlayer, but like after a certain point, things disappear from iPlayer, and I think they're going to, they're going to go onto this. So it's a lot of the archive stuff, a lot of the legacy stuff. So, but even then, it's like, so it's stuff our parents paid for, yeah, and grandparents. Yeah, if you if you see me after. 
the show, I've got some old VCRs. People can hook up and just record <laughs> stuff. Do you, uh, do you have some own? hidden episodes of Doctor Who in your archives? <laughs> 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 just the audio only, I'm afraid. Um, but, I mean, the thing with the... Going back to Disney Plus, I think at least uh, from a, a cost point of view, I think it's going to be quite value for money. And I think if you if you have families whose kids are obsessed with a lot of kind of cartoons frozen. or whatever it is, it's going to be frozen. great to Just frozen. Value. <laughs> Only frozen is allowed in certain households, Keith. Nah, Just frozen. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm quite up to seeing uh, like HD restorations of things like Gargoyles and stuff, which are going to be on there. If they have Disney's The Black Hole, that's an instant as, purchase as, for me. As long as they don't do the weird uh, aspect ratio stuff that they've been yeah, doing. Yeah, like they're doing the Simpsons, yeah. Or the, or the smooth motioning where they're like, add, mm. like interpolated frames. No, no, none of that, please. Yeah, don't mess with stuff. George Lucas. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've taken gargoyles and we've added some more CGI gargoyles into it. Now Jar Jar Binks is in every scene. Yeah. Mr. Gargoyle! He's not even saying anything, he's just there. <laughs> creepily in the background. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking like you were... Look, looking like you were about to say something. No, I was just eating sweets. <laughs> uh, Disney Plus, yes please, but sooner. But we understand why. Yeah, I think they should give us all a year's free subscription for making us wait. Or send me or, or just send me least... copies of the Mandalorian on Blu-ray to my address. It'll be out on Blu-ray by the time it gets over here. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering whether they'll even do physical releases of these shows to start with. Well, um, Disney have to get over this whole vaulting obsession that they have where yeah. they put stuff in like not available and then re releasing it like it's a brand new thing. Yeah, but yeah. without without artificial scarcity, why we can't keep prices ridiculously high and, and that's our whole business model out the window. I think that was okay when they were just doing it for their own content. And it was mm. every every two or three years you'd have a re release of Snow White or whatever it was. Now with an extra three seconds of bonus footage. But the idea of them taking things like Alien and not letting cinemas show classic films because they've bolted them off. I think it's a bit of a misstep in terms of the, the demand for that because I think classic films like that need to be seen. And if people can go to the cinema to see Alien and stuff, I think that should still be a, a way of doing it. By all means, don't put it on your own services, but I think yeah. it should be accessible. And, and this idea of vaulting stuff, I, I rightly says it's. It's not driving demand. It's just no. making people annoyed. It's, like it's just artificial scarcity. Yeah. Right. Slightly Star Wars-y related, but not. A certain movie that was released at the start of Empire Strikes Back is now into production, I think, Lee. You said when you were researching this. Yeah. Like, So I had a look at this because you linked to the, the short, which I noticed had been posted in 2015. I was like, that's not that recent. But then... It's um, some, it's kind of had a, quite a few news articles written about it. I went really. through like the Indiegogo that it was being funded through, and there's an update which says that they've they've found the locations and they're about they're ready to sort of go into filming or something like that. So I think it's moving forward, which I think is why the film's picked up again. Yeah. So this is a fil- short film called The Black Angel, which was shown before Empire Strikes Back over in the UK and some international releases, and then was thought lost for many many years and it's it was rediscovered back in 2015 and then they had a successful indiegogo campaign to re remake this movie and as you said it's in pre-production now uh, keith you watched this at the cinema at the time because mm. when i was a wee lad um so this was 1980 this was the birmingham gourmand which is now where the, the Wesleyan building yes. is. It used to be a gloriously beautiful cinema. And now there's a brown um, pyramid there. Yeah, so in the foyer of the, of the cinema, they had model attacks and stuff for Empire and whatever it is. But it was the norm back then for films. Films would kind of roll screen throughout the day, and they would break them up by having a short or a cartoon or something shown before mm-hmm. it. So there was a Not 24 of a minutes of advertising. Not 24 minutes of advertisements for cars and... <laughs> Or for car, car insurance. Car insurance, yeah. Or um, Cocoa Pops. Or have your 16th bottle of Coke from the foyer. So seeing a short film or whatever it is before a film was pr- pretty regular. So you'd kind of go and you go, oh, that's cool. Um, and the thing, I think the thing with this one was is that it kind of became mythic because people were like, did I see it? Did yeah. I not see it? 
So that because of it only being shown in certain places, people were like, does that exist? Is it, is it real? And I think because it wasn't available in any format post, which a lot of these short films and stuff aren't, you know, yeah. a lot of these things just, just aren't, aren't around anymore because they weren't kind of um, archived or people kept them. So it's kind of interesting when it was re-released a few years back that the interest was there because it was. I think it was just that mythic thing of this thing ran before the Empire Strikes Back, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of okay. It's it's quite slight. It's I quite mean, interesting. It's directed by Roger Christian, whose other great works. Well, he won an Oscar for his set direction on Star Wars: A New Hope. He worked on Alien, I think, as a second unit director or something like that. But he's probably best known for Battlefield Earth. That's not the best thing to be known <laughs> No. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he was the director on that craptastic movie. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I just thought it was quite interesting, probably worth just to watch, just for a little bit of history. I mean, it's not something that I will reinsert into my Star Wars viewing period in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It's only... Tangentially associated with yeah. Star Wars because it just ran before that film. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was Caravan of Hope or yeah. uh, Battle uh, for Endor or, or the, the Star, the Star Wars, Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not. It's not part of the Star Wars universe per se. Yeah. But it's an interesting curio from a time when you know some interesting stuff was being shown before big I, films. I did find it actually quite interesting to see some of the parallels in the movie. In the in the cinematography, the way it was shot. I mean, the, the, he even says even like in the little pre spiel before showing the short, um, the kind of like stepped motion that he uses for the fight. Um, George Lucas then takes that for the lightsaber battle between mm-hmm. him and uh, between Darth Vader and Luke in Empire Strikes Back in the foresty bit. It's very similarly shot. Um, the guy who directed Excalibur made everybody watch this movie to try and get the same feel, same mysticism. Well, it's, I mean, you can. it's more in line with things like Excalibur and yeah. Legend. Yeah. If you see Legend that, that Ridley Scott did yeah. um, a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more in that. It's a lot more in the kind of British mythic fantasy thing. Yeah. So you, you mm. hawk the slayers and you crawls and that kind of stuff. But... There is quite a lot of parallels between, as I said, that and Star Wars because Star Wars yeah. is a science. Well, it's not a science fiction film. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy, it's a fantasy yeah. film. It even starts a long time ago. Even though the technology is more advanced, it's still very much a yeah. fantasy film, and it, it relies a lot on those fantasy think, themes. I mean, and you could see the kind of parallels. It's always one hero's journey, etc. Mm. It's, it's it's a tale as old as time. Basically, it's the monomyth that's been replayed time and time again. Oh, yeah. It's your proto Willow. Yeah, from, from, for, for in, as far as Lucas goes. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, th- I thought it was worth a watch as a curio. Laura, you weren't very impressed. Um, the scene setting at the beginning for a short film took forever. In fact, mm-hmm. I sped it up mm-hmm. to. I, I started at one point two five, and I got all the way up to two, <laughs> and it was still too slow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, that film probably could be done in about thirty seconds if they got rid of all of that. I actually agree with that. It took forever to get going. I was like, "This is nice scenery, but th- this isn't a short film." It, it felt more like a nature documentary. It's like yeah. it was like reading Lord of the Rings without anything uh, happening. Yeah, well, which is actually what happens in the book. So if you ever read Lord of the Rings, it's twenty-four pages of this is what the mountain looks like, <laughs> and then there's a page of action, and then it's on to the next mountain and what that <laughs> looks like. Jane de Blair Tolkien is a terrible writer. Oh, and this is what a tree looks like. Yes, yeah. yeah. I think it's of its time in that, that yeah. sense that it's all a kind of a bit... The, the acting's a little bit on the um, wooden side. It's, it's, yeah, you kind of... Uh, Children's Film Foundation. I uh, recommend the way to get around that is to speed it up. <laughs> <laughs> See, the way the way I viewed it for a lot of it, just from just how things looked and a lot of the framing, plus the kind of slightly lower budget nature of it, I kept thinking of the Holy Grail. Much better than the Holy Grail. <laughs> well, like, this was made for £27,000, which is still quite a lot of money back in 1980. But, but it still it's, looks it's, very... Yeah. Uh, he said they had like five actors, two horses, and... No real, and everybody pitched in to help yeah. film, and you can tell that from the fight choreography, yeah. which is 
basically, you know the bit in Austin Powers where he just walks around going judo top? <laughs> Imagine that, but with a guy with an axe. <laughs> that that was pretty much the entirety of the fight scene. Did they paper mache the axe as well? Is it just made it, in like somebody's <laughs> kitchen? They did have some very obviously fake spider webs at some point. Mm-hmm. And lots of what looked like asbestos thrown at the bloke <laughs> at one point during the fight scene. But like the, it's like when he was sort of riding over the hills and stuff, I just kept expecting him to arrive at a castle and be asked where he got the coconut from. And then like when he was when he was in the castle and he, there was like a, a window out, I was expecting like a guy to be like, I just want to sing, and some and just Michael Palin to run in and tell him to stop. See, what I did like was the bit where he's following the old bloke and the old bloke would just magically appear on the next hill further along. Yeah. But this guy's that, like... <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> that added to the Monty Python vibe. He's like, where are you? Over here. <laughs> I think I think a lot of it is because it, it, wasn't, ex- it wasn't available in... Yeah. It, it had this mythic... People were like, oh, I remember this. And it was really good. It's like those things that you kind of like... Everybody thinks, oh, that was great, and then kind of see it again 30 yeah. years later, and you go, oh my god, that's not as good as I thought it was. But I can imagine if you were like in that kind of, like, I'm ready for Star I'm ready for the Empire Strikes Back, I'm ready for more Star Wars, and then you get 20 minutes of what is British high fantasy. Mm. I mean, some people are going to probably remember it fondly because they're there with the parents, they're all excited, but... A good portion of that audience should have gone, well, this is awful. Let's continue talking. Yeah. That's probably it. It's like they were probably talking and then something happened and they remembered the something happening and then their memories have just stitched the somethings together. Yeah. And that's the film for them. Yeah. And then they go back and watch it like, oh no, there was all this in the way. <laughs> it was 20 minutes of other stuff in yeah. between. Each, each and then John Williams' theme starts off and there he goes, yay! <laughs> and the scrolling text. Yeah, I think by the time people were just angry at that point, that's yeah. when Star Wars started and everyone was happy again. Do you think they would have been more or less angry with 24 minutes worth of adverts? I mean, you get the Pearl and Dean theme, which does perk things up a little bit. Mm. But there's only so many times I can be tried to convince to buy more popcorn. One thing I'm very glad at as cinemas have stopped doing is those awful mobile phone quizzes that they used to have before. Oh, yeah. Which is, oh, we'll have a quiz now. No. <laughs> Show me the film. You see, you're also missing out on the other joy of going to the cinema in the 1980s and having a short film beforehand, totally, usually unrelated to it, and mostly a film from Children's (laughs) Film Foundation starring Keith Chegwin, (laughs) was the... In between the Kiora ads and Restless Hot Dogs. Did did you also get the public information films about not flying your kite next to it? You'd get those about, like, don't climb over the fence, you're going to get electrocuted. Don't play near trains. You also had whatever the local carpet shop was <laughs> and I remember this distinctly from uh, the ABC 123 on Bristol Road which is now a McDonald's yeah. you would very quite clearly get the two minutes from the cinema and it would be for some bloke selling carpets and it would literally be some bloke going on well, I've got shag piles, I've got what's it I've got this. I don't know what other kind of carpets there are um, you know furry ones, woolly ones I mean, everybody, are you sure he was selling carpets? He was definitely selling carpets. <laughs> I'm sure I have I very faint memories of when I was a small child of like the local curry house being like the advertisement in the cinema. It's like, after your film, why not have a curry? And then blatantly not the curry house, <laughs> just some stock footage of a curry house somewhere that was filmed at least 25 years before. <laughs> and then just... A card with the current local curry house's name with just two minutes written underneath. Two minutes from the cinema, yeah. I think the, the ads Lee's getting confused with are the ones they used to run at the Tivoli, which is now the Electric, which is around the corner from another cinema, um, yes. which I don't think they advertised for. But you mean a dull world? Uh, a dull world, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which used I'm to have a tea. I'm certain they didn't run advertisements for um, those kind of establishments. <laughs> just two minutes from the cinema. Yeah, it was like you were seven, you were watching... Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger and the advertisements on t- on the Sinbad before, and the Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, there's a whole. When I went, when I I, I 1977, my dad was there a Rocky montage in the Would you the like cinema? Would you like to go to the cinema, son? Yes, dad, I would. What would you like to see? Star Wars, dad. I've got all these bubblegum cards. I want to see Star Wars. Great. Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger's playing at the AB at the the the. the um, the Gormont or whatever it is, See, and I got dragged. I got dragged to see Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger instead of Star Wars when I was 
10. See, that is your dad trying to say, I loved Ray Harry Harrelson, Harry Harrelson movies when I was growing up. Even oh. he didn't like it. It's like, we could have seen Star Wars. The only way I had access to Star Wars when I was a kid was on the soundtrack album that was basically Disco the Star Wars. No, it was the, basically the story on an album. So it was like 20 minutes of actual Star Wars. Yeah, so you, uh, the, base, the entire story in 30, 35 minutes. Was it somebody um, reading very fast? No, this was actually like dialogue from the film with some people saying other bits and pieces in between. And me and my mate from school did our own versions of them. So we re-recorded it and did our own voices for all the characters. Sorry, we just ended up in an episode of the Goldberg story <laughs> with Bloomfield at some point here. Yeah. But yeah, what were we talking about? Advertising. Disney yeah. Plus. Oh, That's Disney what Plus. We were talking about. Yeah. No, that we've gone no, past no, Disney no, Plus. The Black Angel, sorry. The Black Angel, yeah. But I it is You kids today. John Michelle's like, yard for four and a half hours before a film. Yeah. It is something I'd like to see come back though, is to have short films. Pixar do it mm. now. Pixar are probably the only company mm. that still has a short. And it's usually four or five minutes. They didn't in front of The Incredibles 2. I haven't seen The they Incredibles 2. They didn't 2. have a short in front of it. Oh. I'm sure, I thought Bow was written to go in front of The Incredibles 2. Bound. Bow. 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 Which was an Oscar. Oh, was that the yeah. one with... Oh, it might have been. I'm yes. sure there was another... They've had another one. I don't think there was one in front of Toy Story. That was it. Whichever was the most recent release, I don't think they had a short in front of Toy Story. Well, they had Keanu Reeves in it, so you, mm. that, that made you happy instead. I know, I still haven't got my um, Duke Kaboom action figure yet. <laughs> Apparently he's in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Yeah. He's, he's a sage. Yeah, because everybody thought the picture of him dressed up like a hippie was from Bill and Ted 3. Yes. It's not, it's the bit of him being in the SpongeBob movie. It's probably in the past now, Yeah, but if that, that head will make an appearance on our Twitter stream. Back in the past. I go search back through our Twitter stream and you'll find Keanu's head. We could just tweet it out every week. All the time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's no reason why we can't tweet out Keanu. Every Wednesday, just keep an eye out for... It's Keanu Day. (laughs) Yeah. He's also up for Person of the Year through Time magazine. Yeah, but the Hong Kong... Oh, I have a a subscription to Time. If he does get it, I will keep it for you. But it was it's a rip-off because you go through and it has like some randos that you've never heard of before. And then you go, I want to get to Keanu to vote for him. And it goes... Uh, if you'd like to continue voting, please subscribe to our whatever it is. I'm not giving you my email address so, just to so, be able to vote so for Keanu. Keanu behind a paywall for all <laughs> yeah. those Keanu fans. It's like I don't need I don't need no rag mag from the states telling me that Keanu is the person to you. I already know this. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard time be referred to as a rag mag before. <laughs> this prestigious rag mag. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about the lack of games coming up for the rest of the year. Yes. Because, I don't know if you'll remember this, as a child, Christmas was always the time for me for new games. It was mainly console releases and new games were always a Christmas thing. Mainly because you had the laminated book of dreams from Argos. (laughs) You would get your pen, you would circle the game console that you were never going to get. Unless you were a very, very lucky child. And the games that cost 65 quid to come on a cartridge. Mm -hmm. And then... Maybe, if you were very lucky, you might get one game for your Christmas. Just one. There's none of these digital downloads. I know I'm sounding like a very old man now, but it was kind of, that was my childhood of waiting for the one game, or maybe two Game Boy games, if I couldn't get a SNES game. Mm. Kind of that price level of comparison. But this year, Lee, because you've researched this for your weekly gaming article, yes. which you can read on com, yep. or you can check out Lee's gaming YouTube channel at mm-hmm. Bob the Cheap. Is it Bob, Bob the, pet, the Pet Ferret? Bob the Pet Ferret. Yeah. So check out, go and subscribe to Lee's Gaming Channel while you're there. Mm-hmm. And Lee does occasionally his Ferret First at the minute, which is lots of yep. new, new and old games which you play mm-hmm. for the first time. Yep. And other content. Yep. Um, but you've noticed there's pretty much nothing coming now for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, yeah. You you sort of you asked like, oh, we on the next show we could do a, a, a roundup of what's coming out for the end of the year, and I'm like, nope, because it's all come out already. Um, so like I've looked through it and we've had a few big releases over the past couple of months or so so we've had stuff like um, Pokemon to keep it on the Star Wars theme again we've we've had Jedi Fallen Order came out Death Stranding came out Outer Worlds has come out and of course you know Call of Duty as always came out but then like you get to the end of November and there's nothing uh, including the very last week of November in which there literally was nothing. Not even like indie games on Steam seem to be coming out in that week. It's just completely dead. And it's really odd. The only thing 
only sort of major thing on sort of end of November. I say major. It's a uh, stadia. It's like the only thing that's like getting a negative big latency. Yeah, which who cares about stadia? Because while we're on the subject of streaming stuff. Yeah. There's there's a streaming service that doesn't need to exist. Or oh, but, but there's Google thinking that everybody lives in Mountain View, California, mm -hmm. where everybody gets one gigabit internet, and there will be zero latency on all streaming services. Yeah, in a country where occasionally Netflix will buffer. <laughs> yeah, uh, you think okay. Well, it's not like our Victorian phone line system hasn't been not upgraded for the last few centuries well, properly. The, the thing with Stadia is you've got to think there's. It, I think Stadia has the opposite problem to Disney Plus, in that they're, being, they're able to launch worldwide, but what's available at launch, no one wants, mm. which is the exact opposite to Disney. Um, they have they announced 12 games for launch, and all but one of them had already been released or something else. And then they announced another 10 two days before launch. And again, all ten of them are stiff. things that you've played before. Google so. are not having a great time at the minute because they've just released the Pixel Four phone as well, which was like they're always like big rival to the mm -hmm. iPhone, and it's been universally not panned. Just well, yeah. this is meh for the price you're paying, and they're actually asking like iPhone level prices for a mm. mid-range product, and people are not very happy at all about it. I'm wondering if the games thing this year. Because the trend, the trend that seems to be happening this year, is um, the, there's nothing coming out yeah. in the run up to Christmas. But yeah. there are plenty of games that have, that have come out that I am interested in. And the interesting thing is they're not multiplayer games. So Luigi's Mansion, I'm quite interested in. Jedi mm -hmm. Fallen Order, I'm quite interested in. Sword Pokemon, and, possibly. Sword and Shield, maybe. But they're single player games, so it doesn't matter if I'm picking them up a month or two after their initial release date, whereas previously, yeah. Battlefront 2s, Battlefields, Call of Duties, or whatever, because yeah. they're multiplayer games, it's like, well, if I don't get it now, there's no point, because by the time I get on, everybody's going to be on prestige level 2, have every weapon in the game, and all I'm going to spend is like four and a half weeks of being shot in the head constantly, and grinding to get anywhere near a, a decent level. So I'm sure the first like Call of Duty Modern Warfare games were released at Christmas for people to basically mm. like say you can have an entirety of Christmas Day just to play Call of Duty if mm. you're that way inclined. So it just seems odd that everything seems to be just getting earlier and earlier in the year. I mean like we've got this new March-April period seems to be mm -hmm. the new release window. Well, um, there's a few sort of the sort of main theory I've got for why everything's coming out earlier, and then you know not sort of towards the end of November, but in like September, October, is because the end of November you get the Black Friday deals. Mm, and true. I think, you know, you get you have it out for like a couple of months. It's like you're saying, you know, you you're willing to wait a couple of months, yeah. and on Black Friday you just have a discount on it, and that that's trying to. I think that's their strategy now is. Mm. Rather than have all the big games come out, is like drop the price of all the big games at the end of November. Yeah, I mean one release I am looking forward to, and they've not actually officially announced a date yet, but I'm sure it's going to be around Christmas. Is the Halo collection is finally coming to PC? The Halo Master Chief collection. There is a release date. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Yeah, but, but it's all the Halo games, including Reach, mm -hmm. for thirty quid. Mm. But that, that that that's that's a decent deal to be honest. If you've that's not been not, able to play it before, that's and not it's like not a new release. new release, yeah. But it's the first time to be available yeah. on PC. Could it also be as as well? You're talking about Stadia there, but it could it also be about the whole games industry moving towards that model of like I've got Xbox Game Pass hmm. and Sony have got their PlayStation, whatever it is, Peace. the equivalent. So the idea of it being you're going to play these new games when they turn up on those services. So I've I've already downloaded Outer Worlds and I've been playing through that. Um, I hate you. So it's kind of like, is, is that where it is? Is like they're going, well, we're not good. I think we, we don't need to profit from a big I'm, release at the time. We, we, we can get people to subscribe. We're I'm, constantly making money all the time. I'm not 100% sure about that because PlayStation don't really have what Game Pass does. Yeah. So I think they always go for like slightly older titles on the PlayStation. For PlayStation for PlayStation Plus, it's literally like you get a selection of games that can be downloaded that month. 
Yeah. And then they go away, and then they replace with another bunch. Whereas, like, Game Pass, as I understand it, is literally everything gets put into a big library, and you can download it. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like Origin Access, isn't it? They they do do it like Netflix or iPlayer. Mm -hmm. There are titles that will disappear after a while, and you can't access those and stuff. So it's kind of done like that. But, (laughs) yeah, it is a curious thing. Is it? Is it the fact that nobody's playing anything outside of Fortnite and see? I oh, see. I thought maybe like because we've got the new consoles coming out towards the end of next year. I thought is that a thing? Is that affecting anything? But then I realised that like early next year we've got Cyberpunk, we've got Final Fantasy VII remake, we've got Last of Us Two, we've got mm-hmm. the Avengers. All of that's coming out beginning part of next year. But quite a lot of those have been delayed from this year. So do you think these were all like this it's, launch window? It's games possible. Been... I mean. Doom Eternal is definitely one that sort of stands out because that was like now supposed to be supposed to be out now and I think it was supposed to launch with Stadia. Yeah. Um as well as being on everything else but like I think that was why that's why Stadia is looking so barren because they don't have a big new game and I think that was their big new game. Yeah. Do you think that Nintendo is going to be the company that capitalizes on this because they can push their Switch Lite and the Switch? Mm. They've got a good catalogue of games that are coming out, so they can go, right, we're going to sell the hardware for I Christmas. think they've got a clear window to monopolise as much as they mm. can, but I don't think Nintendo being Nintendo is, they don't usually do what everybody expects. Yeah, they kind do. of just do their own thing. They don't really mm. kind of follow the trends and stuff, but yeah. I think, they, you know, they, they probably will have, like, Black Friday deals that will tie in a bunch of... The, the Black Friday library. deals for Nintendo Switch got announced today, actually, mm. and it's all eShop stuff, but the maximum mm. they're doing is about 30% off. Mm. So it's 30% off Breath of the Wild, I think 30% off uh, Mario Odyssey, 30% off Mario Cards. Mm. Basically just first-party titles will knock a little bit off to try and tempt the people who've been waiting for it to come into mm. a budget release kind of category. So I've noticed that with the Switch which is something that Nintendo used to do, which is basically relaunch their titles as budget titles after a 12-month mm. period. Not done that with the Switch at all, because you used mm-hmm. to get like a what second-label version, which is mm. basically like the budget games. They've not done that with the Switch, which is odd. Is that because they do it through the eShop? Possibly. Instead, and they do the discounted... But usually versions. the eShop ones are more expensive than actual retail copies. Yeah. Mm. So it just seems to be a little bit odd. With Nintendo mm. not doing that, but they're probably just having licenses to print more money, like they did with the DS. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Switch is an interesting console, and that that's the joy of it is it's completely different to your Xbox One or your PlayStation Four, where it's just graphics, graphics, graphics. Look how fidelity the graphics are. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Switch is all about different modes of gameplay. I mean, do you, as the kind of resident, like hardcore gamer, do you think? It could also be down to the, the just the lack of interest in games now that the, the, the market is monopolised by big franchises. So you, you things like Fortnite, because I was I was in I needed to pick up some bits and pieces on um, a couple of weeks ago. I went to game, and there was a massive queue in game because Fortnite had released a code mm-hmm. to pick up an in-game weapon. Mm-hmm. And basically, all these kids were being forced to buy Funko Pops of Fortnite stuff because they had to buy a Fortnite themed mm-hmm. thing. So, is there just a, a lack of uh, interest in, in in games? So that the, the big think... publishers are kind of that's falling away. The big AAA titles, and there's fewer of those across the year. And it's more your kind of smaller games that don't get that big physical release. I think um, I think that may play a part in it. Play a part in it because. Like you said, you know, there's tons of kids playing Fortnite, and obviously the the idea of the Christmas release window is parents buying games for their kids. But if the kids are just playing Fortnite, then parents aren't going to buy their kids anything like that. But there is a possibility for that. I mean, but it does sort of suggest like things like Pokemon coming out. I mean, that just sort of came out mid-November, but you know, it's sort of. I think there's a confluence of things as well mm-hmm. here because mobile gaming is. Yep. now taken a big bite out of that market. You've had stuff like uh, Pokemon Go, um, the Harry Potter Wizarding World game, mm-hmm. you've had Mario Kart come out, you've had po- that Pokemon trainer game, there's quite a few Elder Scrolls Blades come out. So I think people are getting a gaming fix in a very short kind of dopamine-filled, very short 20 minutes gaming session, and then you don't have probably as much time now, because you've got 
bombarded with other content like Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, podcasts, streaming. There's, there's so many ways you can get entertainment and media now. You don't probably have the hour or two hours that you would had 10, 15 years ago to sit down and have a gaming session. And one of the things that really annoys me a lot, especially with console games, is if you've not switched on your console for three or four months and you want to have a gaming session, you're going to have to wait an hour for updates mm -hmm. usually. And there's your entire gaming session is now gone because you're having to wait for your console to update to play the game that you bought, which means that you don't have to be connected to the internet to play the game. And I think I think sort of touching on that, you've got a bit of a fracturing in the market as well. I yeah. think you've got you know, like you said about the smaller titles, you've got the mobile titles. Yeah. Um, because there are like smaller titles coming out in December. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's things like um. There's a game called Mosaic coming out, which is like it's kind of Black Mirror-ish in its tone, mm -hmm. from what I've seen. Uh, Phoenix Point, which is like the new game from the original XCOM designer, I think it is. Uh, that's coming out in December fully. It's been in early access. And the new game from the Katamari director is out in December as well. Mm. And all those are much smaller games, but they're all releasing right before Christmas. But they're all digital releases. Yeah. And it's just I think they're just releasing because they finished them. I mean, that's what it is. I think the other thing as well is you've got three generations of gamers now. Mm -hmm. So you've got people who grew up in the 80s, you've got people who grew up in the 90s, the 2000s, mm -hmm. and they all want a different kind of gaming experience. For mm -hmm. me, single-player games is all I care about. I'm not a massively multiplayer kind of gamer person who wants to go online, but you got like that millennial World of Warcraft crowd where you had a World of Warcraft classic come back out, so people can even go in nostalgia about a game that was at least 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it really annoys me that it won uh, Golden Joystick this yeah. year for best, well, best like online game or something yeah. like that. And looks like it's from two thousand and four. <laughs> Why is it winning the twenty nineteen Golden Joystick award? But it's, it seems to be like there's a very fractured audience, as you said, yeah. and you've got a lot of these experienced gaming directors who've gone off to make something indie or gone mm -hmm. for an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter campaign, which is usually when it's done with mm -hmm. most games. But you had new gamer experience, so stuff like uh, Untitled Goose Game, mm -hmm. the, the the sleeper hit of the year. I mean, that is a game ten years ago. No publisher in their right mind would have actually probably stumped up the cash for mm -hmm. because even though it, it the gameplay on it's unique, I don't think being able to sell that game to a publisher I'm... like EA or Activision would have actually happened. Mm -hmm. But I think with with that. The publisher for that has only done one other title. Yeah. And it was Firewatch. Yeah. Which is another like another one that would have been a really hard sell yeah. to a lot of the big names. Because it is walking around the woods for three hours. But I think these AAA titles are going to stop off less as well. Because you're going to have... I mean, stuff like Fortnite has probably got the team of AAA developers at Epic... Mm -hmm. Constantly working on Fortnite. Oh yeah, they're they're in constant crunch mode, yeah. and it's it's a it's a problem. And you've got the, the same for they look. I think they're looking to form a union. Yeah, because it's that bad. You'll have the same for Overwatch. You'll have the same for probably players unknowns battlegrounds. You're oh, gonna have the same for Apex Legends. Uh, probably for you're not gonna have the same for Apex Legends. <laughs> the player base is dropping off on that one. Yeah, but even stuff like Destiny and Anthem, mm. it requires constant development. Mm. So you're gonna have probably the best game. Developers well, are constantly tied up, and they don't have time to go that, and experiment and build something. That is something that I've noticed. A lot of the bigger AAA companies are releasing fewer games this year. Activision, off the top of my head, have released three games. Yeah, three. Yeah, which is um, one of which is usually a Call of Duty. Yeah, and then you've got a Crash Team Racing remake. <laughs> yeah, and then. Sekiro, which isn't really a typical Activision game, no. it's it's a, that was sold on the fact that it's from it's software. Dark Souls, yeah. yeah. But um, even Ubisoft have kind of curbed their Assassin's Creed annual obsession. Ubisoft have curbed everything right now, yeah, because everything that they were going to release early next year is now coming out some point in the future because they're banking on the new console, basically. Yeah. To... And I think I think because Breakpoint was so bad on launch, yeah, they realised that. Releasing all these other games probably badly at launch. We're probably not gonna, probably not a good idea to do that. So we'll delay everything and make it actually good on launch. I mean, I think Anthems has burnt a lot of people's toes as well in the market because this is one of your flagship studios with Bioware. Mm -hmm. You've got a flagship 
publisher with EA and if your player base violently reacts to it into the stage of this game is broken why did you even release it it should have had another three or four years worth of development before even being seen mm-hmm. I think a lot of the other studios have gone ooh and especially after the whole Battlefront 2 fiasco mm-hmm. and we've had the same as well with 2K games the NBA NBA game, and the WWE thing as well which is basically their entire trailer for the game was people opening loot boxes. There was no actual gameplay in the trailer for the game. It was just, here's a different type of loot box. Here's a spinny wheel which you can win a jackpot on. And then, here's a car that you can open. And then they've got WWE, which was just a, a train wreck in every possible way. Or people have said the graphics are worse than the GameCube releases. Yeah. Well, also the fact that if, if, if a wrestler touches the rope, everything in the stadium freaks out, including the camera. Like everything just goes everywhere. Like in, it's like it should not be released in this state. And it's like day one patches have become part and parcel of video game development now. Mm-hmm. But even if stuff stuff that hasn't been alpha tested is getting released. Well, the funny thing is, I saw a critique of this um, online. Someone wrote an article to say like, you know, we need to stop relying on updates and actually release things and finish them. Yeah. But the article itself got updated. <laughs> <laughs> But even even stuff like uh, No Man's Sky, which was more of a... Oh, mark- you mean the, the game that was out for three years before it was finished? Yeah, but that, that again, that was more Sony's fault than the developers mm. who were saying, look at this cool indie title we're going to add loads of stuff to in the future, and then Sony just going, here's a fat suitcase of cash because mm. we've got nothing to release in that window, and we're going to market the crap out of it, so it better be good, guys. Mm. And I think we're in a different world now to when yep. I was a child, and it was a case of when it was on a cartridge, it had better be fixed and ready to go out and launch because you got no second chances with a cartridge. Game. And as well, one thing that sort of really stands out is there's definitely a divide like on sort of critical and commercial success. Yeah. Like I've got like a top five for this year. Yeah. None of those games are like big sellers. It'd be interesting to see the top five commercially selling games because I bet you it's Fortnite, Call of Duty, FIFA. Uh, FIFA is pretty much at the top. I think Pokemon's at three. Yeah. It's already at three. Yeah. So I think it's... And probably Fortnite Season 2. Yeah. But, again, that's a battle For- pass, Fortnite's, so it's not Fortnite's really... a weird one because it's free to play, so... Yeah, but it's a battle pass you buy, yeah. isn't it, for your season, for yeah. whatever episode it is. Yeah, you're funding for... You basically, you buy... It's the microtransactions that survives on it. It's yeah. free to play otherwise, so... Yeah. But, I don't know. I think we're in a different world now mm-hmm. with gaming. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Rumour Show this week. Keith, where can we find you online? If you type the uh, ampersand symbol, is that what it is? No. (laughs) Yeah, don't do any of that. That's not good. If you're typing HTML code, the ampersand symbol might be relevant. If not, try at. If you'd like to come along to my elder tech sessions where I'll help the older folks amongst you, the audience members. Are you going to be a digital eagle, Keith? Yeah. (laughs) The silver surfers amongst you. No. Yeah, in Twitter, it's at hardlook underscore hotel. And then if you go to Instagram, if you take the underscore, underscore out, which you probably won't because you'll just retype it in one finger at a time. So do, that's out that way. Uh, and yeah, and the, there's other stuff and things, but yeah, you see me making a mockery of myself on YouTube for Geek for a Mint on a semi-regular basis. Pointing at comics that you own. Look, I own this. Yeah. Particularly ones that I've got characters that I deludely think look like me. So, <laughs> cool. Laura, where can we find you online? At constantlycurious.co.uk and all of my social links are on there. Lee? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Parrot and on Twitter at The Cheap Parrot. And you can find me at Ryan Parrish and at Brummy Gormond when I actually get round to actually doing something on that. Sorry about that. Right, you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Keith. YouTube. Yep. Instagram. Yep. The www dot bit. <laughs> Geekybrummy.com. Yeah, that's the World Wide Web thing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the bit. The internet, that one that comes in a box with a red button on the top. Um, <laughs> Twitter. What else do we do? Yeah, we do Twitter. Twitters. Facebook. Yep. Facebook. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Facebook is for you, all you kind of modern kids. Bookface.commers. Yeah. Um, we don't have a magazine no. or a newspaper, weekly magazine or newspaper. I can't remember what else we've got. 
oh, Geeky Brummy, the zine. (laughs) (laughs) Lee, what kind of content can you see on geekybrummy.com? Geekybrummy.com, you can find uh, both me and Keith posting regular content every week. Uh, Keith does his comics roundup of the latest comics. On a Wednesday, yeah. All those books that I can't afford to buy. Yep, and on Fridays I do a gaming roundup, some of the latest news, a lot of a lot of sarcasm from me some weeks. I, I swear it's getting worse. And all the a bunch of interesting releases as well that have come out in the past week. Yeah. And don't forget to do the usual the thing that every other podcast in the world tells you. Rate us, review us, tell your friends, share, hit subscribe, press the notification bell, like us. Do all the things that as content people like you to do to make us happy. Oh, and Kofi.com forward slash Geeky Room. If you want to chuck some money at us for talking like Gibbons for an hour. <laughs> I don't literally chuck money at us, really. Especially coins, because they hurt. Notes are fine. Notes yeah. will just fl- flutter away depending on how you throw them. Yeah, unless you shape them into a like a, a paper aeroplane yeah. and throw it at our eyes. Me and some of us are okay. Actually, we're all okay. We're all glasses wearers. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, throw away. I was like, are we throwing money at people? Is this back to the last podcast and yeah. strippers again? Yeah. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 He needs some milk. Jesus.